Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us the privilege to see another day. We pray, Father, that as we go through our devotion today, you shall bless us with your words. May these words give us power. May we, through these words, be prepared for today's duties to represent you as your children. May those who listen to us be blessed by the things we will be saying. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Our high calling, March 4, and to knowledge, temperance. And to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 6. To knowledge must be added temperance. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body, and bring it into subjection. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 24 to 27 Athletes cheerfully comply with the conditions in order to be trained for the highest taxation of their physical strength. They do not indulge appetite, but put a constant restraint upon themselves, refraining from food which would weaken or lessen the full power of any of their organs. Yet they fight as one that beateth the air while Christians are in a real contest. Combatants in the games seek for mere perishable laurels. Christians have before them a glorious crown of immortality, incorruptible. And in this heavenly race, there is plenty of room for all to obtain the prize. Not one will fail if he runs well, if he does according to the light which shines upon him, exercising his abilities which, to the best of his knowledge, he has kept in a healthful condition. Any habit or practice which will weaken the nerve and brain power of the physical strength disqualifies for the exercise of the next grace which comes in after temperance. Patience a man who is intemperate, who uses stimulating indulgences like beer, wine, strong drinks, tea and coffee, opium, tobacco, or any of these substances that are deleterious to health, cannot be a patient man. So temperance is a round of the ladder upon which we must plant our feet before we can add the grace of patience in food, in raiment, in work, in regular hours, in healthful exercise, we must be regulated by the knowledge which it is our duty to obtain, that we may, through earnest endeavor, 
place ourselves in a right relation to life and health. Amen. The title of our devotion is And to Knowledge Temperance. We have been climbing this ladder which Peter said we should go on this round of this ladder because if we don't do this, we will fall. Because at the end of it in one, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 8, it says, If you do these things, you shall never fall. So consequently, if we don't keep adding to our faith, virtue and to virtue, knowledge and to knowledge, temperance and to temperance, patience and then godliness and brotherly kindness and charity, the grace which we have received from God will be taken away from us. We cannot remain in one position. We must continue to move upward. And one round in which we must get to is temperance. If we don't come up to this level of temperance, some Christians have received grace. They've received faith and have stopped there. Some have gotten up to virtue and they have increased in knowledge. But after increasing in knowledge, they are not temperate. They have stopped there. And if you are not temperate, like we have seen in this devotion, and even according to the writings there, you cannot be patient. And if we are expecting the second coming of Jesus, we know that the qualities and the characters of those who are waiting for Jesus, they are described in the book of Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. It says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are those that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. If the children of God must have this quality called patience, then they must be temperate. They must be temperate. So what is temperance? Temperance will say is the abstinence from everything that is harmful and the judicious use of that which is good. Judicious use of that which is good and abstinence from that which is harmful. Why should we be temperate in the first place? If one is really a son of God, a child of God, and understands that he is made in the image and likeness of God. That's enough reason for one not to ever open the mouth to insult any of God's creation and to talk derogatorily of the looks, the physical looks of someone. Because remember, every human being is made in the image of God. There needs to be some reverence and respect that is accorded to every man, be it a poor man or a rich man, be it someone in high position or not, be it somebody who is physically strong or not. Every human being, because by virtue of the fact that they are created in the image of God, everyone should treat them with respect. Disrespecting any human being means that you are doing that to God because man is made in the image of God. And it is for this reason that man ought to take care of himself. He ought to respect himself enough to not obliterate the image of God in himself. Imagine a child of a particular man, the son of a, of a respected person, and this respected man hears that his son is making a mess of himself or his daughter making a mess of herself. He will feel the shame because that is his son or his daughter. And that's the kind of shame God feels when he sees us, his children, in sin. Now, like I said, if we have respect for God, we will have respect for his creation. And his creation I'm referring to is myself. 
I would have respect for myself and regard for myself enough to take care of my body in such a condition that it will be presented to God in the best possible condition that I can. And how will I do this? I will not be careless as to the needs of my body and the things that harm my body. That is where temperance comes in. The abstinence from everything that is harmful. How can you say you respect yourself or you love yourself or you love God and then you put into your mouth or do anything? It must not just be diet. There's temperance in your heat eating regularity. There's temperance in work. There's temperance in uh, receiving sunlight and air and all of that. Temperance is not just about food. But it's about taking care of the body and doing things to it that you know is good for it and abstaining from the things that you know is not good for your body. So I'm asking, can anybody sincerely claim to love God and love his creation, love himself, and put anything into his mouth or do anything to himself when you are, you know clearly that this thing has a risk? You may say, oh, it has benefits. But it also has risk attached to it and yet you still take it. You can't claim to love yourself, you can just claim to enjoy what you are doing. But in destroying yourself, you show clearly that you are disregarding God's creation and disrespecting yourself and you do not have your good, your best good in your mind. God loves you more than you love yourself. That's what it shows. You don't love yourself enough. What we are looking at now, temperance. We looked at the passage 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24 to 27 where Paul used the sportsmen, the athletes, as an example that if they can do what they do, which is temperance for an for a perishable crown, you who are a Christian, we who are Christians, should we not even do more when our own is an incorruptible crown? So look at what is happening today. The best sportsmen are very, very temperate. If you go to the footballing world, you look at people like Ronaldo, Mercy, and a whole football clubs like Liverpool, Arsenal, many of them, they have a diet. They're not allowed to take alcohol. If you do that, you'll be penalized. Arsenal, the same thing. Like many of the football clubs, they don't allow them to party. They must sleep seven, eight hours every day. They must train every day. Why they are doing all this is to keep themselves in the best physical condition possible so that they can deliver the best they can on the pitch when it is time to deliver. And God has the same reason when he is telling us to be temperate. You have to bring your body under and that's what Peter is saying. He says, um, sorry Paul, that's what he's saying. He says, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body, and bring it into subjection. Ever since man sinned, this our flesh started to crave for things that were not good for it. And that's why we don't serve God with the flesh, we serve him with the mind. And that's why we are not told to transform our flesh in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, Be ye transformed by the renewing of the mind, so that you can give acceptable service to God. We are told, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. How can you present your body as a living sacrifice with cancerous tumors in them and with plagues all over your arteries? 
and with the nerve in bad condition. Is that a living sacrifice? That's a sick and diseased sacrifice. If you must present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. When God used to take sacrifices in the old in the old system, did you see that any animal that is brought to God must be in the best condition possible? It must not be sick. It must be healthy. It must be acceptable. That is not crippled. It must not have any any defect in it. Because God wants an act. He was using it to teach us what it means to be an acceptable sacrifice to him. If we must be an acceptable sacrifice to God, we must take care of ourselves and give him not a diseased body, not an obese body, not a body that the BMI is higher than what it ought to be or lower than what it ought to be, not one that has this sickness here or that there. Well, even if it does, but at least do your best. I know that some people inherit diseases, some people inherit sicknesses. I know that there are conditions that are exceptional. But the point in this whole thing is you do your best. Don't do anything to yourself that you know will harm you. Just two days ago, March 2nd, 2021, there was an article that just came out on The Guardian. And the title of that article is Eating meat raises risk of heart disease, diabetes, and pneumonia. Well, they are writing it as if it's a new thing. This is something that people have known for hundreds of years, but because many people trust this, the, the science world and they keep giving you conflicting information, the next thing, I won't be surprised to see in this same Guardian, sometime this year, they will still write another article how meat is still beneficial to the body. That's what they do. They keep confusing people. But if you must know the truth, the truth is... This is something we've known for long. Eating meat, as they say here, raises the risk of heart disease. But I'm not depending on them. But for those who love to hear from them first before you believe, that's it for you. And let me just read more more of what this. And besides, not just Guardian. I saw it in Daily Mail. Suddenly, all the news on March 2nd in the UK was just bringing out this eating meat is dangerous, processed and unprocessed poultry, red meat, all of them, they will raise your heart disease. Let me just read one part from it. It says, the academics led by Dr. Karen Papia from the university's Northfield Department of Population Health found that every 70 grams of unprocessed red meat and processed meat, by the way, these are just fine ways of telling you chicken, beef, mutton, that's lamb and all of that sheep meat, all of them, they are included included in what they call unprocessed red meat and processed meat. All of them are there. That eating 70 grams of th- those meats daily raise their risk of heart disease by 15% and of diabetes by 30%. Going on, it says similarly, every 30 grams, and that's very small, by the way. The other one we saw was 70 grams, but this one now, every 30 grams of poultry, that's very, very small. 30 grams is very small. But every 30 grams of poultry eaten daily, poultry is your chicken, your turkey, and every other bird meat, eating daily increased the risk of developing gastroesophageal reflux by 17% and of diabetes by 14%. Now, even if somebody told you that these meats had something good in them, they have whole, they have iron, they have B12, they have this, they have that, why will you risk, can't I get those things from elsewhere? I mean, the vegetables have lots of iron in them. Why will I risk eating these things 
which every 30 grams increases my risk of diabetes by 14% and every 70 grams increases my risk of uh, diabetes and also heart disease by 15 and 30% respectively. And by the way, at the beginning of this article, they already stated it is a known fact that eating meat causes cancer and all kinds of cancer. So that's not what they are studying. This study was to see how meat causes, they tested 25 diseases that are non-cancer diseases because they have already said like in the beginning here it says it's already known that intake of red and processed meats heightens the risk of being diagnosed with bowel cancer but these findings are the first to assess whether meat consumption is linked to any of the 25 non-cancerous illnesses that most commonly lead people lead to people being admitted to hospital in the uk so the study on cancer is already a done deal they know that eating meat causes cancer not just colon cancer and this article is just a sliver of the truth just a sliver of the truth the kind of diseases that comes from eating meat and not just eating meat by the way alcohol and all these other drinks that contain sugar they are also dangerous sugar is dangerous for the body meat is dangerous milk egg these things combined or even in and of themselves are not things that you want to be taking because the dangers that you expose your body to when you take them are phenomenal. You cannot understand how bad this thing is. People are obese today, although in this article they also said that people who are obese or with high BMI are even in greater danger than those who are not obese yet they are eating meat, but all are in danger. But they say the worst are those who with, with high BMI, that's body mass index, and uh, who are obese. So, if we must present our bodies a living sacrifice to God, we must be temperate. And the appeal to you is respect yourself enough to not put things into your body that will harm you. Now, apart from diet, there's still regularity, sleeping time, waking up time. The right time to sleep is before 10 o'clock, two hours before midnight. That's even getting late already. You can do it three hours, four hours before midnight and you are better off if you do that. So it must, you must not leave it till 10 before you sleep. You can sleep before that. Now, why is it so? It's because the body was made that way. God made us as not nocturnal animals, but diurnal. It is wired in us that when a certain time comes, the night time comes, the body releases hormones that try to rejuvenate it, to give it strength again. And by the way, there needs to be darkness. This idea where we have light all the time it also even if you sleep with the light it becomes difficult for the body to produce that hormone that's melatonin so melatonin is the hormone that is produced that helps to rejuvenate that is bring back your body to youthful exuberance the more you sleep late especially under light it is difficult for the body to produce that hormone melatonin but if you at least switch off the lights go to bed on time you get to have this melatonin which rejuvenates the body what's more is that more sleep means that your your physical strength comes back to you your brain power comes back to you it needs rest it has been working for hours what generator do you put on from eight in the morning sorry some people wake up five four you put your that you already started and you walk, 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 walk till 12 in the night, till 11, till 10. That's too much. You need to sleep. But sleeping early is more important than sleeping long. 
sleeping early means you get to expose your body to more of this melatonin and you can wake up as early as 4 3 o'clock and you're fine but those must not mean that you oversleep because to oversleep is also bad that's why we said temperance is not just abstaining from those things that are bad but judicious use of that which is good you must sleep judiciously do not oversleep and do not undersleep and there's still more apart from sleeping exposing the body to good sunlight to fresh air not living in places that are not hygienic all those things matter whatever you are inhaling if you are inhaling bad things if you if you understand something about science every gas has its own properties gases have their properties so when you are inhaling things from the gutter and things that are decayed don't think that oh i'm just inhaling something it doesn't have any harm it's entering into your body those gases are entering into your body and they have their own properties they have what they can do and you can t- you can be very sure that they are not doing you any good at all as you inhale them so it's important that if we must grow if we will not fall some people want to say oh am i does it mean i'll not go to heaven if i don't become temperate you ask yourself that question answer it after all we have studied now ask yourself if you are so disrespectful to yourself and you intentionally intentionally put into your body things that you know is not good for yourself have you not sinned in doing that you have sinned in doing that because you know very well this thing is not good and yet you are doing it you have sinned in doing that verily you have because god has told you to take care of yourself and when you choose not to care about god and care about yourself and choose to do things that are not good to yourself you judge in yourself whether that kind of person can be admitted to the kingdom of god james 4:17 to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin so let us increase our knowledge on what it means to be temperate take care of yourself for your own good to make your life more beautiful more bearable more joyful i pray that god will give us the grace to understand these things and put them in practice in jesus name so the object to be achieved by being temperate is patience when we are temperate that is when we have self-control we'll be able to be patient you can imagine people who don't sleep well you see them in the buses either as drivers or passengers they are irritated our we become very irritated when we fail to practice some of these things let's say when you're also hungry you find that you, it's like you have a short fuse you can cut easily things get you annoyed quickly that's when you're hungry <laughs> which means that one has to be taken care of too you find when people are also um, have overeating you find yourself very loose and careless not thoughtful forgetful of so many important things that's gluten overeating affects your patience your uh, ability to carry responsibilities so food affects us and life some certain life practices affect us and we need to be aware of ourselves and study ourselves and see what really is happening to us when the issue of the sportsmen we are mentioned i then imagine to myself which means we need to know beyond these people we need to go ahead of them because what they are doing is just for temporary things of course we are not going to be training to run one kind of a marathon but our battle is far more uh, consequential than theirs so we need to know some things that can help our minds remember the focus of this is the mind i remember in the devotion 
it says any habit or practice which will weaken the nerve and brain power or the physical strength disqualifies for the exercise of the next grace which comes in after temperance that is patience so we are looking at how this thing affects our mind our mind and our brain and then our physical strength so we're looking just beyond the games i have an article here written by don mackintosh it was written on the advent review article of 2014 the title is living a faithful life so he the researchers found that when a plant-based diet was recently followed for 21 days by these researchers it was discovered that its adoption led to improved cardiovascular and metabolic health in addition those following such a, an eating plan had better blood sugar control which researchers are finding is directly related to one's level of self-control and willpower simply put if your blood sugar is consistently in the optimal range your ability to control your actions and reach your goals are greatly improved quote ended so now let me tell us why they still study this their interest was daniel they wanted to know how daniel's lifestyle affected his performance that was why the scientists went in to study daniel so the first thing was your eating plan which is plant-based has a way of affecting your blood sugar level it won't sky skyrocket it won't spike unnecessarily it won't fluctuate it will be stable so it helps you to be have self-control to be able to manage your mood i'll keep reading the plant-based diet daniel and his friends requested would have protected them from eating animal products which are high in arachidonic acid a chemical shown to increase negative moods and emotions daniel's biblically informed diet increased his mental ability and thus put him in a position where he could serve as an example for the principles and purposes of god that's diet that's diet how about water continue daniel chose water to drink instead of wine which also may have given him an edge mentally not only does drinking water enhance memory in the young a recent study by the university of east london has suggested that drinking as little as two, 24 ounces that is three cups of water before taking a test improved reaction time by as much as 14 percent that's 14 percent when you take up to three cups of water before taking a test no wonder daniel and his friends ended up having a tenfold cognitive edge so that's the excerpt from the article so what god wants us to understand is that these health practices these health practices are for our good a quote in councils on diet and white said that it was in love that our heavenly father sent the light of health reform to guard against the evils that result from unrestrained indulgence of appetite councils on diet and foods page 243 paragraph 3 
So God gave us this diet, this health reform, this temperance rule, these principles to guide us from the evils that result from an un- uh, unrestrained or uncontrolled appetite. When God said in Genesis 1.29, I have given you every plant producing seed on the face of all the earth, and every tree which has fruit producing seed, they will be for your food. God meant well. And scientists are just catching up now. So what we are doing is not for our disadvantage, it's for our own well-being. I, I read a story about an, an ad- Adventist. Who, his name was Elso, Elswot Wayham. He was a thoracic surgeon who ended his uh, career at the age of 95. As at this 95, he could do 20 surgeries in a month. Heart surgeries. He was healthy. How did he get here? Uh, Blue Zones and Nigel Wild were doing a study to find centenarians that were strong. And he was one of them. He simply said, my diet, my lifestyle, the health principles I inculcated was what helped me to stay this long and active. So people are receiving this benefit both physically and mentally to do things if they follow a temperate lifestyle. I know that it is it's difficult, I mean by way of habit, when you have realized this truth. Some people know these things but they have appetite to struggle with. Well then, that's where you need the power of Christ. He gives the power. I can testify of this. He gives the grace to be able to live to this thing. So when you have accepted this truth, the best thing you can do is go down in your room, kneel down and ask God, please, I have heard these things, but my appetites keep struggling or going against these things you've told me. I need your grace. I need your power. You said as many as receive you, you give them power. Give me the power to be able to live this temperate life and you will receive it. It's a promise. It's a promise. I pray that as we ask God for help and yield to these principles, we will derive the blessings that God has given us in this message. In Christ's name. Amen. Not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Hmm. Paul is telling us that he's not a shadow boxer. You remember in in boxing history, great boxers like Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, Holyfield are no longer in the game. They are shadow boxers now. What or who were they fighting against? And you understand that we have a greater battle to fight and it's against self, against appetite and passions. And modern ones like our own beloved Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury and Cruz, they are are future shadow boxers. Indulgence of appetite is the greatest cause of physical and mental debility and lies at the foundation of the feebleness which is apparent everywhere. Now I'll read from the temperance book this is the story of a man called Nabal and Abigail, the man that um, David almost killed. He said, when Abigail returned home, she found Nabal and his guests in the enjoyment of a great feast, which they had converted into a scene of drunken revelry. 
the life that God had given him had been only a curse to the world. In the midst of his rejoicing and making merry, God had said to him, as he said to the rich man of the parable, This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Luke chapter 12 verse 20. In Isaiah chapter 5 verse 22, say, Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine, and men of strength to mingle strong drink. In the, in the NIV, say, Woe to them that are champions in drinking wine, champions in drinking beer. They are champions. In, in, in our country today, they say we, we consume three trillion bottles of beer every year can you imagine alcohol we know alcohol is a neurotoxin it bypasses digestion and through the walls of the stomach they go into the blood and the blood takes them to the brain and before you know it you see you see the person begins to lose balance and begins to speak english because the prefrontal cortex is under attack executive functions are being impaired by the habits of liquor drinking and for mothers who are just they are sincere and so they give their babies sweets and ice creams all these things artificial things and drinks that are loaded with fructose so they are but laying the foundation for the liquor habits because as they grow up they begin to find stronger stimulants what about apple cider vinegar today persons are drinking it they say for weight loss See, persons may become just as really intoxicated on wine and cider as on stronger drinks. And the worst kind of inebriation is produced by these so-called milder drinks. 5% alcohol, 7% alcohol. They, we pride ourselves on the less percentage we take and we blame the others who take 30%. The passions are more perverse, the transformation of character is greater, more determined and obstinate. A few quarts of cedar or sweet wine may awaken a taste for stronger drinks, and many who have become confirmed drunkards have thus laid the foundation of the drinking habits. Review and Herald March 25, 1884. The possible precursor to habitual drunkenness, a single glass of wine. Remember when our brother gave the definition of temperance, say to abstain from all that which is harmful and use judiciously only things that are good. A single glass, one glass of wine, may open the door of temptation which will lead to habits of drunkenness. I remember people with chicken pox, they told them to drink uh, alcohol, drink liquor, it will help the disease and many of them started drinking and even when finally by God's grace they got healed later, they attributed to the alcohol and they continued drinking and thus we have many drunkards today from the days of chicken pox because of the lie that the world received through the, the evil one. If our physical health is maintained by that which we eat, if our appetites are not under the control of a sanctified mind, if we are not temperate in all our eating and drinking, 
we shall not be in a state of mental and physical soundness to study the word with a purpose to learn what saith the scripture. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Any unhealthful habits will produce an unhealthful condition in the system and the delicate living machinery of the stomach will be injured and will not be able to do its work properly. The diet has much to do with the disposition to enter into temptation and commit sin. What we eat can lead us into temptation because we will not make good judgment. Intemperance in the true sense of the word is at the foundation of the larger share of the ills of life and it annually destroys its tens of thousands. For intemperance is not limited to the use of intoxicating liquors. It has a broader meaning and includes the hurtful indulgence of any appetite or passion. We do things too much. Excessive indulgence in eating and drinking and sleeping and seeing is sin. A harmonious, healthy action of all the powers of the body and mind results in happiness. And the more elevated and refined the powers, the more pure and unalloyed the happiness. Temperance in the food eaten. The principles of temperance must be carried further than the mere use of spirituous drinks. The use of stimulating and indigestible food is often equally injurious to health and in many cases sows the seeds of drunkenness. True temperance teaches us to dispense entirely of everything hurtful and use judiciously that which is healthful. There are few who realize that they should study how much their diet have to do with their health, their character, their usefulness in the world, and their eternal destiny. The appetite should ever be in subjection to moral and intellectual powers. The body should be servants to the mind and not the mind servants to the body. So we see how God views intemperance. An intemperate man cannot be a patient man and he cannot be a Christian. And so we see how, how dangerous it is even in the Old Testament when an intemperate man was caught by the parents say they should bring the man to the, to the elders of the city and lay the charge upon the man, a man who eats too much, is an intemperate man, that the man should be stoned to death by all the people because he is a curse. He will not be useful to himself. Can you imagine how we become champions at drinking wine and the life of neighbor we were told was a curse to the world? Can you see the kind of situations where we take ourselves into? So our advice, the advice from the reading today is that if you find yourself in any of these gatherings where you've been served the, the liquor, and it's always going to be free, there are free bottles, know that Satan is luring you into a, a trap, a snare that will end in shame and woe. And so let us learn to be temperate in all things and hold on to Jesus as we look upon him to add to our temperance patience for here is the patience of the saints we'll read that as it comes this is my prayer in jesus name Amen. let us pray our father we thank you for your word this morning 
We thank you for these words of life. How men like Daniel showed on dim senses and untinted breath because they refused to defile themselves with all things that are harmful and live a life of a temperate life to bring your name the glory deserve. Help us preserve our body a living sacrifice. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you.